Welcome to the King of Glory Lutheran Church Education Podcast. We are a Christian community of faith located in Williamsburg, Virginia. For more information, please visit us on the web at kogva.org. And today will be a slightly similar to Daniel in that we're going to look at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace. Now, we, we've got two approaches to this. First is that we, we wanted to, to de-Sunday schoolize some of the famous Sunday school lessons of Scripture. And uh, we are focusing as a congregation on strength. What are your strengths? Uh, how do you utilize those strengths as part of the ministries of this church and your discipleship life for Christ? So if you have an opportunity to attend the Strengths Summit coming up this month in October, you should do it. It is really useful. Uh, we've done it as uh, staff, the entire staff. So all 40 members of the staff have done the strength assessment. And then at our w- winter retreat, we had Pastor Guzzi come in and show us how those strengths support each other uh, as we strive to work here. Um, so if you have a chance, do it. It is well worth uh, the opportunity. Let me see if this works. Yeah, look at that. Don't look yet. Don't look yet. Welcome to those who are online. We're glad you're with us as well. Uh, We're going to be in Daniel 3. So if you want to find Daniel there, uh, that would be great. And uh, But before we get to that, let's pray. Gracious Father, we thank you and praise you for the dawn of a new day. Bless us now with your Holy Spirit, that as we read your word and, and learn from that word, we may be drawn closer to you and our knowledge of your love. In Jesus' name. Amen. So you probably remember this story um, from Sunday school, if you went to Sunday school. Uh, And um, there's a lot of rich things in this text. A bit of a long reading today. So uh, I'm going to read it for the sake of those who are online. And then we'll, uh, we'll go over it together. What I'd like you to do is listen for what jumps out to you, what's interesting to you. Uh, and, of course, we'll then try to connect all the pieces. Okay? Ch- Daniel chapter 3. King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold whose height was 60 cubits and its breadth 6 cubits. He set it up in the plain of Dora in the province of B- Babylon. Then King Nebuchadnezzar sent to gather the the satraps and the prefects and the governors and the counselors and the treasurers and the justices, the magistrates and all the officials of the provinces to come to the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Right? By the way, you know it's already bad. <laughs> right? Then, then the satraps and the prefects and the governors and the counselors, the treasurers, justice magistrates and all the officials of the provinces gathered for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And the herald proclaimed aloud, You are commanded, O peoples, nations, and languages, that when you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, lair, trigon, harp, bagpipe, who put that in there? And every kind of music, you are to fall down and worship the golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. 
And whoever does not fall down and worship shall immediately be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. Therefore, as soon as all the peoples heard the sound of the horn, the pipe, and so forth, the people's nations' languages fell down and worshipped the golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Pause there for one moment, because this is not a section I was going to spend a lot of time on, but I was going to recap for you here. By the way, that is an image of King Nebuchadnezzar. It looked just like that. Uh, so what do we learn in Daniel 3? Uh, because this is important. The, the setup is important. Uh, there's an image of gold. You're to worship the image of gold. Uh, if you don't, you'll be introduced to the fiery furnace. <laughs> and what did we hear in verse 7? They all did it. Well, almost all of them. <laughs> uh, but the majority of people do it. Their reason, we don't know, but they do it. Okay? Uh, why don't someone else read for me? Uh, let's read. Let's break this up. Larry, you got the microphone? Uh, let's read uh, 8 to uh, 18. Someone want to read 8 to 18 for me? Get another voice in there. Claire, great. Just a second. I have to find it. Okay. 8 to 18. Yep. Therefore, at that time, certain Chaldeans came forward and maliciously excused the Jews. Am I in the right place? Here? You did, but okay. they accused the Jews. Accused the Jews. Yeah. Thank you. I've got an old pair of glasses on. I realized <laughs> after I had volunteered. <laughs> and that didn't make sense. Okay. Accused the Jews. Sorry. They declared to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. You, O king, have made a decree that every man who hears the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, Trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music shall fall down and worship the golden image. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. There are certain Jews whom you have appointed over the affairs of your province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, pay no attention to you. They do not deserve your gods or worship. They do not serve your gods, or worship the golden image that you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in furious rage, commanded that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought. So they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar answered and said to them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image that I have set up? Now, if you are ready, when you hear the sound of the harp, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music to fall down and worship the image that I have made, well and good. But if you do not worship, you shall immediately be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Thank you, Claire. Uh, let's pause there. This is too much to take in. What spoke to you? We're going to finish the chapter. Don't worry. But what spoke to you there? And remember, we need to 
specifically for the microphone for people online. Anything? Yeah, Claire, Linda, uh, Carol. I heard someone over well, there. It's, it's <laughs> the, you know, the solid faith and trust that these three men have in their mm. Lord. Yeah. 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 He will be there. Even if he's not there for us, we will not bow down. Yeah. Yeah. I put on here, you'll see when we get to it, I found this for me to be the strength verse. Right, so I'm going to show you strength in Scripture. The strength verse is, um, this is, in this case, right, what's the difference between here and, and Daniel? Uh, not Daniel, uh, Elijah and the, and, the, uh, and the fire around the altar, right? There, Elijah is saying, I'm going to show you whose God is the real God, right? Because Nebuchadnezzar is kind of asking the same question here. Who, who's going to save you from this, right? But here, these three guys, this is not their goal. And this is what we see here in verse 18, what I call the strength verse, um, which is we're not, we're not proving to you who God is. That's not our goal, although they do. Uh, our goal is to show you that our faith is unmoved in this God. How many times is our faith conditional on what God does for us? <laughs> and we doubt God when he doesn't pull through for us. Oh, God, if you just do this, it will show them this, and I will be faithful in this. Right? Usually the lottery is involved with that, just so you know. <laughs> but here they say, listen. We don't need to give you an answer because the answer is clear. We're not doing it because we, we trust our God. And even if our God doesn't save us, we will not go against him. Powerful. I'll get a little bit more into that as we go along. Yes, sir. Mike. At the very beginning of that reading, that section, the Chaldeans you know, are quick to come forward and point their finger at other people who don't follow the rules. Yeah. And, and kind of... <laughs> see myself pointing at other people who aren't doing things right, and I ought to pay more attention to myself in the first place, but then testing Nebuchadnezzar and seeing what he's going to do about it. Yeah. Yeah, well, uh, remember from two weeks ago, if you were here, the jealousy factor, right? Once again, an issue of jealousy and revenge. Remember Daniel and the lion's den. Uh, they were upset because uh, the king had put in place foreigner, a prisoner, uh, the conquered. And in Daniel's case, he was, he was second in command over the entire kingdom. Uh, these guys aren't as high, but pretty high. <laughs> um, they shouldn't have power or favor with the king. It should go to us, right? So here's, here's another explanation of where jealousy motivates people to frankly to be evil right uh, so they stir up within King Nebuchadnezzar these words of doubt these words of uh, fear I would say in this case words of arrogance right they are not respecting you king 
this is a matter of you being respected, even though you like these guys, right? And so what we get what we get here is what we often get in Scripture and what we often get in sin. And again, I think this is like my eighth book. I've got a whole, for those of you new, I have a whole series of books that I would like to write. Number eight would be Everything's a First Commandment Issue. Everything. You shall know their gods but me. So for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the First Commandment Issue. And for King Nebuchadnezzar, even though he's not of this faith, what's he trying to do? He's trying to say, I will determine who your God will be. Do we not see that today? <laughs> right? Just watch TV. Uh, just click something on the Internet. It will, it will strive to determine for you how you will think and how you will believe and how you will act and what you will buy. And, right? Now, initially, that's not, we, we wouldn't look too much into that. But eventually we say, wow, uh, is my very being being guided by the Lord or by culture, trends, those types of things, right? First commandment issue. We were, uh, last week, we held a uh, reconciliation conference here at King of Glory. So Ambassadors of Reconciliation are a national organization of the Lutheran Church uh, who, on the one hand, teach people how to be Christian reconcilers. So that's what we were doing. We were learning how to be Christian reconcilers. You come into a situation from um, someone in your church is unhappy with someone else in the church, and you use those tools to bring Christian reconciliation, mediation, and forgiveness, all the way to um, pastor in the church is not working well with DCE in the church, and they're brought in to bring reconciliation all the way to uh, this congregation against that congregation, that kind of thing. I'm pointing to Pastor Freilich, who served as the first vice president of the district, but he knows a lot about reconciliation in churches and the Senate and that kind of thing. So, uh, but one of their premises in reconciliation is that everything becomes a first commandment issue, right? I want to be God of the situation, and therefore I don't want to... Uh, I want to be God in this situation, therefore I don't want to receive your forgiveness, right? I want to be Lord of this moment. Uh, it was really interesting to, to think of it that way. And so one of, the, one of their aspects of reconciliation is what is your idol? What is your golden image? What, what is that thing you keep bowing down to that you won't give up so that God can come in and create a system of reconciliation? So really good stuff. They're based out of... Uh, uh, Billings, Montana. Who who would have known, right? All right, something else that you saw, that you heard? Yes, Claire. Please. You know, it was in the earlier part of the reading that you read, I had never heard it, and I wrote it down because it was so striking to me. The, the command is for all peoples, nations, and languages, which in... The book of the Revelation is always nation, tribes, and languages before the throne. Here, Nebuchadnezzar is saying, you, all those three categories are going to bow down. And this is kind of put in an eternal perspective, mm. which then for New Testament people was saying, hold on. But I had never heard it that way. Yeah. I never even heard the correspondence before. Right. 
So that really hit me that it's, it is a first commandment issue because it's, it's this big black line. Where are people yeah. going to be? Right. You know, the fence, there's no, no, no yeah. straddling yeah. the fence. You're, there's a sheep or a goat, right? Ultimately kind of, I mean, that's where we kind of get to. And so, yeah, if you take this text from a new Testament vantage point, uh, let's go all the way to an end time vantage point. Um, you're, you're going to be on one side or the other. You're either going to be standing, so let's use this imagery. You're going to be standing while everyone's bowing to the wrong God, <laughs> or you'll be bowing to the right God while everyone else is standing. That's probably more of our culture today, <laughs> right? More people standing than bowing. All right, so yeah, so listen, well, here's what happens. Um, King Nebuchadnezzar cr- creates this golden image. He wants everyone to bow to it. He creates a system for everyone to bow to it. Make sure you tell Rick that with bagpipes are in Daniel chapter 3. All right? Scottish heritage comes through. Um, uh, the question I put here, not for our general conversation, but for you to be thinking about your own spiritual life and your own spiritual heart, is, um, you know, what commandment are you willing to break to serve your golden image, right? So maybe it's, not, maybe it's not a first commandment issue for you. What commandment are you willing to break for your golden image? I, I, I didn't list them here, but I had a couple. <laughs> I didn't feel good about it, just so you know. All right? So uh, what happens is everyone bows down. I think I have a picture Yeah, I love this picture. Don't read this yet, but I love this picture because it shows everyone bowing down except for the three guys. And then this guy, he's like, "Uh, (laughs) you might want to bow down, right? Uh, But perhaps, perhaps, there we go. Perhaps Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were thinking of Deuteronomy 6, 4, 5, which they surely would have been taught. Read it with me. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. Now, of course, in the, Jesus uses this in the New Testament when he's asked what the greatest commandment is, right? Um, which, if you didn't know, uh, makes Jesus' answer that much more powerful. Because they're asking Jesus what the greatest commandment is when they know it. So he tells them what they already know. He doesn't create something new. I've heard this said in New Testament connection, right? That, uh, well, Jesus, he changes the commandments uh, when he's asked what the greatest commandment is. No. He just repeats what it already is. And any Jewish child would have been taught this, to memorize it and to be able to reside. So you, you can't help but think that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, at the very least, they're the ones saying, wait a minute, I, I'm to love God, and there's only one God. Or we look at uh, Luke, as he writes in, in Acts 20, however I consider, Luke's writing this for someone else, however I consider my life worth nothing uh, to me, my only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace, right? So for us today, what is our task? It's to uh, persevere on that destination, to that destination that matters. 
So, so the power of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego for us today is, is the path clear for us to keep our eyes on the prize, that heavenly call in Christ Jesus our Lord? Or are there lots of things sort of getting in the way? Didn't you find it interesting that uh, Nebuchadnezzar gives them another opportunity? Right? What would that show you about Nebuchadnezzar and Meshach, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Say it in a very say it in the order I get get it messed up. Yeah, he has relationship with them, right? You don't just get promoted to that to to be where they are and doing what they're doing uh, by chance. So he he like with Daniel uh, in Daniel's situation. He doesn't want there to be an issue. He wants them just to go along with it. Now, we could read into it a little bit more if we wanted to, which which should be cautious to you. Uh, I'm just looking. This Oh, I wanted to make sure that that Acts quote is correct. <laughs> so I wanted to clarify it for you. Just give me a second. Acts 20. 24, is that what it says? Acts 20, 24. But I do not account my life of any value, nor as, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel, the grace of God. Yeah, perfect. It's Paul. Paul is saying those words. It's not Luke's writing, but not Paul. So anyway, uh, Nebuchadnezzar wants them to live. Uh, so take a look at that again, Daniel 3. Uh, uh, he says, um, at 15, now if you are, re- by the way, he's saying this furiously. Because if you go back to 13, not only is he furious, but he's in a furious rage. <laughs> that tells you something. Uh, 15, now listen, if you hear the sound of these instruments, and fall down to worship the image I have made, well and good. The reason I want you to see this is because even though 18 is a strength verse, the beauty of it is they're responding in the same rhythm that Nebuchadnezzar is threatening. Right? So Nebuchadnezzar says, listen, I'm going to give you one more chance. When you hear the music, bow down. All's well and good. But if you don't, you'll go right to the fiery furnace. So their response is, our answer is well and good. (laughs) Regardless of what happens, we're going to remain true to who we are and what we're supposed to be doing uh, as the people of God. And that's where we get to this verse. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. This is the faith I want. And this is the faith I want for you. Unconditional faith in God. Think about it for a moment. Think about your faith journey right now. Could you stand against 
whatever you need to stand against and say, and even if God doesn't answer my prayer, even if God doesn't do my will, even if God doesn't seem to be with me in this moment, although he is, uh, I, will not, I will not forsake him. To, to me, this is almost more powerful than saving them in the fiery furnace. I almost expect them to do that. But I don't expect three guys whose lives are on the line to remain true to God. And so you look at this and you say, wow, may I have such faith. Where does that come from? It can only be given through God, right? Their circumstances do not account for it. They are foreigners. They've been conquered. They're pri- At the end of the day, they're prisoners. They're, they're, the only good that's happened to them is they've been promoted, and they're probably living pretty well, right? But for all practical purposes, they have every right to say, maybe we should bow down. He's the one paying, giving us the payday. But they don't. This reminds me of Romans 14.8. If we live, it is for the Lord that we live. And if we die, it is for the Lord that we die. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. Sometimes that's hard to believe. Sometimes that's hard to say. I think I said to you this before, I want to say it again. This is something that I want you to have before your deathbed. I see it often at the deathbed, and it's powerful. Uh, however, this for me, I want to get to a part where I say today, whether I live or die today, I belong to the Lord. And uh, the Lord will care for me, my eternal future, and for my family and my friends and my church and all those things. Yes. Hold on. Let me get the microphone. Sorry. You got to be on live. Go ahead. Um, This kind of brought me back to maybe a sad thought, but I was thinking about the Christians. I think it was in Africa where they were murdered for being Christian and marched out onto the beach. And they could have easily said, okay, I don't believe in God and I'm not Christian. But they didn't. And they, they were killed for that. Yeah. So it made me think of that. Throughout history, we've seen martyrs, right? Um, as part of this reconciliation conference, uh, they had two speakers. One speaker was uh, a father whose son killed his mother, his brother, and tried to kill him. Dad lived and set it up that someone else did it. But in time, they discovered it was actually him. And how this father had to move to a place of forgiveness for his son. Very powerful. And then the the next day, the speaker was a Rwandan man whose um, brothers and sisters were killed. Um, He was very powerful. He said uh, 90 plus percent of Rwanda is Christian. But tribes were more important than Christianity. And his, his, uh, his sort of gut punches. So I ask you today, is your tribe more important than your Christianity? So your, your politics, or your skin color, those were his words, your denomination, those kind of things. So it was, wow, that's powerful. 
when he determined that he would forgive the people who killed his family, his family disowned him. Kicked him out of the village, everything. And it was only in time that um, they received him back through his witness of reconciliation, forgiveness of the conflict, right? Uh, but you're right. We see this in, in history, and it brought me to, uh, la, 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 thank you for setting me up, uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who uh, during the World War II uh, stood up for Christianity and stood up for justice and ultimately died for it. These are his words. We still, uh, we still love life, but I do not think that death can take us by surprise now. It is we ourselves and not outward circumstances who make death what it can be, a death freely and voluntarily accepted. Faith, faithless vacillation, endless deliberation without action, refusal to take any risk, that is a real danger. I was really convicted by that. Uh, I must be able to know for certain that I am in God's hands, not men's. To me, that's right. Think about the circumstances. He's in a concentration camp. He's going to die. Um, and so uh, here again is an example, right? Thousands of years past Nebuchadnezzar and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, where someone had to stand up and rely on their faith. One, to rely on their faith to, to make tough choices, rely on their faith to take a stand against oppression, injustice, and ultimately say, I'm in the Lord's hands. In this case, he wasn't saved from the lion's den, from the fiery furnace. Or was he? <laughs> right? If, it, if, his, uh, Pastor, if his life was in the hands of God, then we commend him to the to the mercies of God. And the power of his witness continues, frankly, today. Yeah, Pastor. I don't know if most people realize with Bonhoeffer, too, he was here in the United States. And he said, I can't stay here. I need to go back to Germany and therefore gave up his life. Yeah. He had escaped, but right. said, I'm not doing the, what God wants me to do. Yeah. Kind of a, I don't know if any of us would be willing to do that, you know? At Probably times. not. Although we did see, right, we did see, we see glimmers of that after 9-11. A lot of people signed up to go and serve the country. We certainly have that today. But, but in this particular case, in the name of faith, right, in the name of faith to say, here's what I'm going to do and here's why I'm going to do it. So what does this mean for us as, as we continue our journey of faith and look for strength? Well, maybe a worthy prayer is, Lord, give me the faith of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So, right. Sunday's gospel reading is, you know, Lord, give us, give us faith. And first Jesus comes down a little hard on them and says, if you have faith, uh, like a mustard seed, you can do that. Uh, but we, we should strive for that faith and that conviction uh, as well. Okay. So, uh, the, the power verse, right? Um, Nebuchadnezzar gives them a second chance. Uh, and 
doesn't happen. By the way, an interesting point you might want to know is that prior to this, uh, Nebuchadnezzar um, is blessed by God to win in battle. Uh, he wins a battle with the Lord's assistance. And now, now here we get to this point, and this is how quickly he gives up on the power uh, of God. Uh, don't look at that. Okay, so uh, this is from a guy named Ford. The courteous but determined refusal of the Hebrews should be carefully observed. They had obeyed the powers that be as far as conscience permitted. They journeyed to the plain of Dora and right at the point where conscience shouted, no further, then rejected the temptation to be arrogant in their nonconformity as Daniel before them had been courageous in his request to follow his convictions. So these three verbally acknowledged Nebuchadnezzar as king while committing their ultimate allegiance to the king of kings alone. I thought that was important to share with you because what we don't see these three do is respond in an arrogant, negative, defiant manner. Their their conviction in God is deeper than that. So they stand on the faith that's been given to them. They speak words of truth. And they allow the words of truth to be their strength and their conviction. Maybe said another way is, sometimes I think that we have convinced ourselves that God needs our help. When, when we need God's help, right? So how easy would it be for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to convince themselves, boy, if we don't stand up for God, uh, no one will. and God will suffer and faith will suffer, right? This could be a conversation they're having. No, they say, wait a minute, there is no other God. And therefore, we will stand firm in the truth that our God is God, right? Fine. Uh, I, I have a reason for saying this. See, uh, I hear you. I hear you. Maybe not you individually, but you. I hear people so worried about state of the world and the state of society and the state of religion. And, and I believe sometimes that we Christians think, well, if we don't do something, God will suffer. Now, should we stand up for our Christian character, our Christian faith? Yes, but we should stand on it with God as the one lifting us up in it, right? God, God's just fine. Read through this. God never loses. Right, so I think if we if we if we approach things from the vantage point of we have truth, we have strength, we have the conviction of a of an everlasting and mighty God, that would embolden us uh, to um, to live lives for Christ, not worrying that somehow God will be dead. They tried that once. He rose. <laughs> Karin. So Nebuchadnezzar does have control of his own people, where these three are not of his people. I'm not sure I understand why he thought they would even bow down to this image. Well, let's think about that. Why, what would be his rationale to assume that they would even bow down? 
Was it his hospitality? It could, some would argue, look at look at all I've done for you. Right. Right? You'd be nothing, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, if it weren't for me. Certainly that could be it. Or, yeah, hold on. You have to wait for the microphone because the people online will want to hear you. And we like to watch Larry go back and forth. So next, someone over here, raise your hand so Larry's got to go back. Yes, please. Well, well, I think it's important to remember that Nebuchadnezzar doesn't just pick these guys out and say, here, you're now prefects. Daniel asks him to appoint Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to administer Babylon while Daniel stays with the king in the court. So it's kind of a double slap in the face. So wait a minute. Daniel, this guy that I like put incense on, he interpreted my dream. And now these three guys, they're the plant. And they're now defying me. These, these are the people that Daniel chose for me. And now they're, now they're doing this. What's up with that? Yeah. So it, for him to, for these three guys to kind of come back and say, no, thanks, we're not going to do this. Uh, hey, man, this presents a little bit more of a problem for Nebuchadnezzar. Yeah. And by the way, where is Daniel? How'd he get out of this? <laughs> yeah, Claire. Answer that. No. Oh, I just pose it. We don't. We actually don't know the answer. So. Okay. He's probably know, on business. I mean, it's interesting that we've seen them stand up with Daniel in the fast in the first chapter where they say, we, we don't want to eat all your fancy foods. We're just going to eat simple foods, so will you let us do that? And they, I mean, they're part of this pool of young men who might get promoted. So maybe they've learned already in something simpler that could have ended their careers. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, I just wonder, you know, is that the reason we see that story first? Because there's not a, I don't see a big point of the story, unless it's preparation for continuing to say, no, now we have to stand up. Yes, and I and I believe that to be the case for us even here today, right? This is the now we de Sunday schoolize Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Not only what command you know, the, the 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 one viewpoint is what commandments are you willing to break for your golden image? The other side of that, of course, is where is the line that you will not cross when it comes to faith in God, right? Uh, some could argue we've con- we've given a lot of concessions for the sake of Jesus Christ in modern in the 21st century. Um, the lines are blurred pr- pretty well today. Um, what are the, you know, where is the line that we say, this is too far for me? And, and by the way, this, the line would not be um, which version of a mighty fortress you like, right? There's two different ones you didn't know, <laughs> right? That would be, not the line we're talking about. This would be the line of conviction of, uh, uh, I would die for this. I would die. I would. I would give my life for this. That's what they're saying. They're not blind to the consequence of not bowing to this God. The consequence is very clear: fiery furnace. Uh, and so, if you ever want to read a good book series of books uh, called Jesus Freaks, um, and it's about modern-day, we'll date it now, but modern-day martyrs for Christ. And 
real life 20th century, it might be a 21st century version of the book now, you'll be shocked to hear that in today's culture, not just in Africa, right? China, um, some European countries, in some cases here where uh, people's livelihoods are on the line for the sake of Jesus Christ. And you've got to be careful about that because the other, the other temptation is to skew what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are doing, right? What are they doing? They're saying, I will not have another God but my God. That's what they're saying. I have a sneeze coming. Sorry. They're not, <laughs> now that I said it, I won't sneeze. Uh, that is the line for them. So we have to be careful when we say, because not only are the lines blurred for society, I would say within Christendom, there's a million lines. Depends what church you go to. Depends who you talk to. Depends how you grew up. Depends what service you go to, right? There's lots of different lines. So when you really get down to the bottom of what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are do, saying, they're saying, we will not have any other gods but our God. We just won't. And even that, some level, Christianity made a concession on. Shouldn't be doing. All right, so uh, so Nebuchadnezzar uh, says, look, you better change. They say, sorry, we're not going to do it. Someone read 19 to the end of the chapter for me. 19 to the end of the chapter. We've got to see what happens here. Who's going to do it? Mike, you going to do it? All right, wait for the microphone. Thanks. Yeah. Then Nebuchadnezzar was filled with fury, and the expression of his face was changed against Sadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He ordered the furnace heated seven times more than it was usually heated, <laughs> and he ordered some of the mighty men of his army to bind, really kill you. Really <laughs> you. To, to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and to cast them into the burning, fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their cloaks, their tunics, their hats, and their other garments, and they were thrown into the burning, fiery furnace. Because the king's order was urgent and the furnace was overheated, the flame of the fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell bound into the burning, fiery furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and arose up in haste. He declared to his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound into the fire? They answered and said to the king, True, O king. He answered and said, But I see four men unbound walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt, and the appearance of the fourth is like a son of the gods. Hmm. Then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the door of the burning, fiery furnace. He declared, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out and come here. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out from the fire, and the satraps and the prefects and the governors and the king's counselors gathered together and saw that the fire had not had any power over the bodies of those men. The hair of their heads was not singed, their cloaks were not harmed, and no smell of fire had come upon them. Nebuchadnezzar answered and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted in him and set aside the king's command and yielded up their bodies rather than serve and worship any except their own God. Therefore, I make a decree 
any people, nation, or language that speaks anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be torn limb from limb, and their houses laid in ruins, for there is no other God who is able to rescue in this way. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. <laughs> yeah, all this for promotion. <laughs> A lot of work for promotion. All right, what'd you hear? Yeah, <laughs> not only it shows the rage of the king, right? He's got a temper problem. Um, some might read into it and say, uh, um, some might read into it and say, uh, I will ensure that you die just in case you live. I think that'd be an overreach, right? I think this more has to go with rage that uh, he is so angry and so furious by the betrayal, by the embarrassment. Um, kings, queens, presidents, they don't like to be embarrassed. because <laughs> goes against their nature. Um, and his power. He, he needs to show that his golden image and his desire for that golden image to be worshipped will be obeyed. So, uh, by the way, most would look at this and say the way the fiery furnace was, they would have died immediately in that furnace anyway. So now seven times makes it uh, for certain. I find it interesting, don't you, that the writer tells us, just so you know, right, you're getting a comparison. The fire did kill people. It's not that the fire couldn't kill people. An important piece in there. Yes, sir. Um, I, I've read that um, it, it struck me that he got it, and he said, okay, the Lord, your God, is all important, and everybody's going to uh, worship him, but he still doesn't get it. And he says, but if you don't, I'm still in charge, and I'm going to kill you. <laughs> yeah, that's right. won't be a fire. I'll tear you from limb to limb. Nor does, he, nor does this convert him that we know of, right? There's not a... He makes a decree that you can't speak ill of this God, but we don't see him necessarily change in any particular way. Interesting enough uh, for that. Something else? So, uh, yeah, you're right. What happens is uh, Nebuchadnezzar says, heat that baby up. Uh, We're going to really scorch them. Uh, As they get over there, the guards die guards. Uh, They go into the fiery furnace and then go back to verse 24. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and rose up in haste. By the way, King Nebuchadnezzar is pretty far from the furnace. He declared to his counselors, "Did did we not cast three men bound into the fire? By the way, not are they bound. They're wearing all their clothes uh, because we want to make sure you catch fire. Um, they answered and said, yes, O king, true, O king. And he answered and said, but I see four men bound, unbound, walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt. And their appearance of the fourth is like the son of the gods. Oh, boy. Can't be clear, can it? Uh, so uh, in the Apocrypha, there's a story, an addition to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that Abednego walks into the fiery furnace singing hymns. And 
and gives this idea that they're worshiping in the fiery furnace. And don't worry, he's singing the appropriate A Mighty Fortress version, okay? Don't you worry about that. Uh, now, it doesn't say that here, and for us, the Apocrypha is not part of what we would use. So, uh, but this idea of the fourth person causes a little bit of challenge for us. Um, there are some who would say that the fourth person is Jesus. And there are others who would say an angel. Uh, both are interesting, by the way. <laughs> Um, if we are if we are a Trinitarian faith, the Trinity the Trinity is not birthed on Christmas Eve in a lowly manger, right? The Trinity is then always with us, and uh, the th- three in one God is a part of the Old Testament, just as He is part of the New Testament. Uh, some challenges: one is we do see. Uh, the motive of divine deliverance through God's special angelic messenger uh, is found in different places in the Old Testament. So Hagar in Genesis 31, Isaac, Genesis 22, and we see it again in Daniel 6, as well as others here. So for those of you who've been to Bible studies before with Bill Harmon, uh, you know how I feel about these things, which is let's not get too wrapped up into it. To my note, so when I make notes, I I know who the I know who the words of the commentators and the theologians I put, and then I put PBH for my own notes, right? So I put uh, some believe it's Jesus, other an angel. Either way, God wins, <laughs> which is more of the point. However, uh, D. S. Russell, is a Presbyterian, he says something interesting. Uh, God's triumph and his people's deliverance are symbolized by the presence of the mysterious divine figure in the midst of the flames. This is not a figure of the Messiah. Interesting. Uh, not, it should be nor. Nor did the writer intend that it should be taken as such. It is hardly surprising, however, that in Christian devotion and in Christian theology throughout the ages, it has in fact been taken as a representation of Jesus, the Christ, the Son of God. It is out of apparent defeat that victory comes. In the midst of affliction is one who was himself afflicted more than any man. Just as the mysterious figure remains in the center of the fire, so God continues to be identified with the suffering of his people. And then I add it to make it a better comment. And their ultimate victory. Right? Our, our present and our future is not suffering. Alone, it's victory. So let's parse this up a little bit. Look, I have a thing too. Okay. Uh, by the way, you could find just as many theologians who could who would make a case that it's Christ. So let's put that out there. And in the next six minutes, we're not going to solve that today. But for purposes of what he what Russell says here, I think it's interesting. It's a nice middle ground if we wanted to have that, right? Which is All right, here this divine, it is a divine figure. And what does this divine figure tell us? The divine figure tells us that God is doing what God always does. In the midst of what should be defeat comes victory. Right? God does this all the time in Scripture. Uh, The the last are first. Uh, Blessed are the poor. Right? 
He uses the things that you would not think to use and makes them great. The cross becomes a life-giving tree. So again, here, I think Russell's right. Regardless of who's in the fiery furnace, God is doing what God does, which is he's showing us that out of apparent defeat, victory comes. So for those of you who really love to find New Testament connections in the Old Testament, here you go. The the fiery furnace uh, is, bear with me, an image of the tomb through which apparent defeat comes victory. And I, I think this is important. In the midst of affliction is, the, is one who himself is afflicted more than any man, Jesus Christ. And just as the mysterious figure remains in the center of the fire, so God continues to be identified his suffering people. So we also look at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego from the vantage point, Karin, please, from the vantage point that... Um, in the midst of our suffering, in the midst of our, Christ, of our spiritual convictions, God is in the midst of that. And then I think it is important to say, because he ultimately gives us the victory of victories. Pardon. I hadn't thought of this before the class, um, but I know everybody has had situations that were so severe they thought they couldn't face them any further for me this says stick with your faith and be strong and i understand this strength yes because it works yeah and for for us on the other side of the of the tomb right um we we ultimately fall back on our citizenship in heaven not here. Now, I, it's not that we won't be concerned about, uh, I think God understands our worries of, our worries, our struggles, our fears, right? We are not God. But he's created a path for us to find strength in his eternal promise. Finally today, turn to Isaiah 43. You can't help but think, right, that uh, these are connected in some way. And Karna goes along with what you're saying, I think. And I pray that this gives you strength as well. Isaiah 43. Isaiah. When I was pastor in Long Island, New York, there was a pastor whose name fails me at the moment, which it makes me nervous why I can't remember his name. Pastor. Pastor. Anyway, he when the Atlantic District was all of New England and all of New Jersey and all of New York, uh, he, what's his name? Vic Albers, thank you. I had Herb Kern, I knew it wasn't Herb. Vic Albers, uh, if there's a church in that area, that he probably has something to do with it. Uh, but he did, he loved Isaiah. And when you'd ask him about it, he'd say, Isaiah. He'd always do that, so. Vic Albers, I forget his name. But now thus says the Lord, he, cre- who, he who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name, you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned. And the flame shall not consume you, for I am the Lord your God. Nebuchadnezzar, there's the answer. 
the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Powerful. And that promises for you. Okay. Thank you for being here today. If you didn't sign, did the attendance sheet go around? Please sign the attendance sheet. We'd like to know that you're here. Pray for my neighbor, John. Uh, Bought an RV. Sold his home. Sold everything in his home. Wasn't feeling well. Went to the doctor. Has a massive cancerous tumor in his stomach. So um, his name is John. We want to pray for him. Um, we also want to continue to pray for those on our prayer guide. Uh, yeah, Karen. For Bob Enko, who today is having his heart valve replaced. Yeah. And so we pray for him. And uh, let's pray. Gracious Father, we thank you and praise you for the witness of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We thank you for their steadfast faith and trust in you. And we pray, Lord, that through the power of your spirit, we would have such faith and such trust and such commitment to you as our God. We pray, Lord, that uh, in the midst of things we cannot understand, we would uh, believe and trust in the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, and life everlasting secured for us through Christ our Lord. We pray, Lord, for John, that your healing hand would be upon him, for Bob Enko, that his surgery be successful today, for all those on our prayer guide, for this community of faith, Lord, that we can do that we would continue to do all that we can, that all may know your love. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, everybody. Thank you for listening to the King of Glory Church Education Podcast. Our mission is to connect to God and his people, grow in faith and love, and live through service and sharing. Visit us on the web at kogva.org.